0: Seasonably warm January evening, I rode my bike up to the Hungry Brain and uh, talked to Mike Reed about starting out in music, uh, getting into organizing festivals like Pitchfork, and finding himself running two of the city's best jazz and uh, new music clubs. I had a good time and uh, uh, I imagine you will too.
1: I hear you I, I hear you <laughs> I, it, It's strange because as much as a uh, ideal <laughs> essentially people socializing, yeah, you know it's like I'm not necessarily uh, I think the easiest person to go up and talk to. and I generally don't uh, I don't do that either. It, but then strange times I do. Just, you know, if I'm, like, a, a bar or something, I, so I'll go to bars by myself. Yeah. And uh, we'll just, you know, talk shit with people. But mostly that's because it's, like, these are those are people that are, like, they don't know who the fuck I am, and I'm, I'm not really... I'm just seeing what another human's up to. And that's better, right? Well, like, it's better than it's, like, okay, you want to get into some...
0: Right, cause, <laughs> because you have to have it in the back of your mind. They're talking to you that they want something. like Or are well, trying it. to get... Like a gig or uh, something?
1: Uh that's a big a big thing, of course. Yeah. Um that's difficult. Uh or you know I mean, I'll just yeah, this sound completely um egotistical. But, you know all sometimes it's interesting. Sometimes it's interesting to talk, especially with like uh younger musicians. Mm-hmm but generally it's like they've we already have an entry point rapport yeah and they'll maybe ask me things i get asked a lot i get asked a lot of advice i get people are asking me about like constantly about like right, career advice or career advice booking gigs uh what about this record um you know I mean to like even like investing which I'm a bit of a novice at or you know just like bunches of stuff um, very rare and, and people like if I get into it if they get me started all yeah. right I'll tell you what I think yeah um, very rarely does anybody actually take my advice and I'm like I told yeah. you that was a bad idea <laughs> But you, you I feel sometimes my my uh, advice is lost yeah it's like they already knew what they wanted to do, but for yeah. some reason they uh, wanted to ask me as if uh, then they had done all of their homework. And so, mm. okay, Crane, I'm gonna yeah. just. Move on. <laughs> generally...
0: Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think most of us have to learn the hard way and make our own mistakes. <laughs> it seems like
1: it does. It does seem that way, but. I don't know, I think that it's maybe it's not like you make your own mistakes, but you make your own architecture. And so, mm. you know, it doesn't have to be mistakes. Yeah. You know, because even in creating your own plan, it's like you should then look like, okay, that's interesting. I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. And then you learn a bunch of information. For me, that's, that's very useful. I, I don't do any uh, decision making that's like not really really deep in the weeds about things that i i I don't understand or ideas i don't understand i try to become at least literate in the thing as much as i can by finding out a bunch of stuff um i just can't not do it it's really strange Um, so you're a planner in a certain way well, well, I'm definitely a planner. Yeah. Um, but it's more—it's more that I'm—I think maybe it's like, like I'm really bad at, at learning like functional things, mm. so I have to learn them my own way. But I also realize that the risks of like getting into something, yeah, and what the stakes are. So then you better be able to. If I'm going to go and have a, a meeting with this engineer about. An issue that I have, yeah, I'm gonna go do a bunch of research about it, so I can like. They're not like talk to me as if, you know, they're a surgeon and can't explain to me. It's like, no, 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 no. I know that. I know it. I did a lot of research about this thing. Right. And this thing, and so talk to me on so, the so level you, of. You don't go in blind. Yeah. You, you don't go in blind, and that then, the different conversations I might have with people that are gonna, do functions for me, especially. Yeah. Um, attorneys and. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, anything to, like, even stage rigging people, it's like I've already, I'm already on the conversation with them, but I know what yeah. the hell we're talking about. You know, that's a really quick way to, you know, get taken advantage of, whether that's your car mechanic or, <laughs> you yeah. know. That's the first thing I
0: thought of, is, like, basically you take, you know, they take your car hostage and they can do whatever they want to it, because... They bank on the fact that you know nothing, and most of us know nothing, right. you know?
1: Right. <laughs> so, that 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 can also then impede a lot of time, because that will mm. take a lot of time to make decisions, and people will be waiting. <laughs> so what's like, can you think of a recent piece
0: of advice you gave to one of these young musician types that they totally rejected, and then <laughs> something come to mind?
1: <laughs> hmm, that's a good question. A let me swirl that in my brain for a second. Yeah. Um, well, this is a, it, this is more in general, and I've yeah. said this to people over years, and if you start, I'm going to say it, and as soon as I say it, it, everyone will be like, well, that makes complete sense. For yeah. But if it's you in, the, in that role, it may not make complete sense. Mm. And so, you know, if I'm telling somebody, it's like, yeah, that's great. You just play the saxophone and you play it quite well. The problem is that, you know, you're like, why am I not getting gigs? Why can't I get on this festival? Why isn't anybody reviewing my records? Like, you have to be more rarefied than that. You have to be that person that does X, whatever whatever that X thing is that like, suits because, you. Because they're competing
0: with 10,000 other good saxophone players or,
1: yeah, that or whatever? Are, and, In this, yeah, and you're all completely yeah. the same. There is nothing yeah. then that's, you know, and, and One of the reasons it makes really good common sense, well, let's take that just into any type of actual product. It's like, you know, if there's bunches of you, the replacements, you know, like they're easy, you don't need, uh, but when it becomes very specific, it's like, no, this is the one person that does this, this is why they need to be here, right? Right. And so, um, it's important to, to, to think in those ways. It's like you can't... I know that it kind of moves against sort of like the, the faith traditions, especially in like jazz music. It's like I'm very good at what I do. I've worked really hard. Mm. It's like, yeah, unfortunately, that's not enough. There has to be. And this is where some of the, you'll see it's like that person does very well. Why? They're, somebody might say they're not that great. Well, yeah. okay, that's subject subjective, yeah. but also it's like probably there's things that they do that people find incredibly unique, it can be anything from like just <laughs> their stage banter to their music potentially, uh, or just like how they approach presenting themselves, yeah. that's very unique under themselves. And so, um, you then that all of a sudden negates the whole aspect of that, I'm really good you know, because if it just, you know, that, it's not like that doesn't count. It, it definitely does count. And obviously, who doesn't want to be very good at their... whatever yeah. it is, right? But unfortunately, the game of luck and the game of, like, you know, uniqueness can massively trump that, you know, massively outweigh. Yeah, there's
0: you. all these intangibles
1: with, I mean, wh- timing, yeah. at, you know. So, so then, if that's true, then you need to also then make sure that some of those other things are in play. Uh, and one thing that you can't control is timing necessarily. You luck is luck, but figuring out what makes your thing wholly unique uh, in a way that people wouldn't even think about yeah. is um, is vastly underrated. And you need to really think about the, those those ideas. So
0: basically, you're advising them to go and become an artist. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, well, somehow, well, no, okay. which you, you can't teach them because nobody can teach that. You know, like.
1: Well, I don't think. Actually, I don't think that that's true. No, not necessarily. Okay. Cool. Not not. Well, because being an artist still doesn't give you that other thing. Yeah. But I would say this. This is this is a thing that um, I I really do think. So I, you know, these last years, maybe like the last five to seven years. I really got into this notion of, especially as a a music practitioner, that doing like music and and performing it but and also just being in that world. It's like a faith based aspect. If you if you do it the way that I do it and the way that I kind of and my peer group Mm -hmm. do it. And we kind of do it in spite of the fact that, you know, like almost like every religion it's like it doesn't actually give you any like these rewards that you know I mean they give you spiritual rewards they give you community rewards you know but the idea is that it's going to sort of and so the performances are like the prayers or well yeah. I mean like and then venues are like essentially houses of worship where people come to do that but the thing that you have to remember it's like you know some people it's like do you want to be famous or do you want to be a musician and Mm -hmm. those things are not necessarily tied together and so yeah so if you want to uh, be, let's say, an artist or a musician, that my feeling on the, the three pathways, like this, the tier of it, would be this is based on something that the, the writer Larry Cart, he has his book, Jazz in Search of Itself, which is essentially a collection of, of interviews that he did, mostly with the Tribune, but I think also with Downbeat for a number of years. Mm-hmm. He interviewed everybody from Lester Bowie and I think Dinah Washington, but he, you know, the, the music under this jazz umbrella couldn't be more different. Mm-hmm. But the thing that he thought that was very similar is that as as the makers, the creators of it, they had to be satisfied first. If somebody came up to, and I've had this, any musician worth their salt has had this happen. Mm-hmm. Somebody. You get off stage and somebody's like, that was great. And in your heart, you're like, no, that sucked. We were mm. terrible tonight. Yeah. I don't care if you liked it. Yeah. I am dissatisfied with this. Yeah. You know? And so the first person need to be satisfied is you. Yeah. And, and and then on the second tier, it would be like this peer group, you know, like mm. you getting satisfied. Like, did you guys what did you think? Mm. Or I'm worried yeah. about the you know, you send the mixes of your record to your friends, like, oh you know. And then lastly, it's like kind of the audience. Yeah you know? Sure. I mean, you heard there's plenty of those times where it's like people are, are, they fucking hate playing that song anymore, but Mm -hmm. they have to play it for the audience, Yeah. you know, and so I I think to kind of really feel aligned, you know, is that that should be first. If your desire is to be really famous, Mm -hmm. well you know, I mean, then you're definitely not an artist, you're not practicing the religion that I'm practicing. Right. And so I think that, and you may never get to level three. Yeah. you know i may very be very satisfied with gigs where there's not that many people there yeah. uh or and that maybe like my peer group uh is thinks highly of me you know
0: but it does i mean for me like as a listener it doesn't even really work in a place too much bigger than this i mean like for me to really be into like what It's happening on a stage, you know, really be into it. It's got to be a small, it's got, I've got to be pretty close to it, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if if like the kind of music you're talking about can, I mean, does, does it work in a stadium? I don't know. It's not, it it would have to be changed. Well, you know,
1: I mean, with the music, I don't necessarily know if it's about like what the, the music is, although of course I don't. The smaller rooms are much more interesting to play for a lot of the music that I'm involved with making. Mm -hmm. But the connection aspect or the satisfaction of the musicians making it, of course, on a large scale. And I've played big spaces, you know, like thousands of people. Um, And yeah, it is kind of great. Uh, You can get that feeling there too. I, I, my more challenge is sonically, mm-hmm. that I don't enjoy it as much. But I would also say that, you know, you know, it's almost kind of sometimes easier playing in front of like thousands of people because they're, you know, sitting and playing in front of like 15 or 20 people, that's hard. It's yeah. individuals staring right at you right. with every moment and, and their their whole evening and yeah. their ability to... To see right into you is—it's it's, that's 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 really difficult. So yeah,
0: yeah, you make eye contact with somebody you could take it you, you oh. out out of your thing,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like this large mass of folks, it's like, huh. yeah, it's just You, you, know. see. you don't <laughs> you don't see any individuals.
0: I guess the reason I brought up art as opposed to or like skill is that there are people that are very good at say instruments or whatever that are just they're craftspeople. They're not they don't the the whatever the intangible thing is it they either can't reach it or won't they're not I don't know why but they don't go there and they they don't set themselves apart not just there's something missing although they play every note correctly you know what I mean like you can you can hear 50 different guitar players play the same the same like three bars that sounds different You, you know like you can tell there's some people you can just tell it's them playing. How, how, why is that? How is that? Who the fuck knows? But there is a, you know, and they're playing the same exact notes. Yeah. But you can't teach that. That's the part.
1: Well, I mean, that, I think that what you're talking about, partially what you're talking about, or at least it makes me think about it, is that kind of coming back that person when you hear them and you that you uniquely, it's like, oh, that can't be anybody else, yeah. but yeah mark Rebo or blah 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 you know sure but that's kind of coming back it's like well that's that uniqueness thing Mm -hmm. that sets them apart it happens to be in what they play yeah you know jeff parker sounds this way and then i hear a lot of people sound like jeff parker and it's like oh you know that jeff parker thing yeah yeah right that that they're very lucky that that's how their uniqueness sets them apart that's great right uh and yeah i mean the lesson in it is of course to find some originality, just to comment slightly on that, it's like the originality is not always in how you sound as the artist, or mm-hmm. you know, it can be a lot, It can be about presentation. It can be about, sure. uh, you know, con- conception. How I'm going to release these records? Uh, who I'm going to who's going to be in the band? Mm-hmm. Uh, what types of shows? How rare are we going to make these shows? Oh, wow. They can play a 600 room place, but they're only playing, it's playing three nights at a 200 to, like to make things like that that yeah. just may create a different air about what you do. So: uh, um, I understand what you mean, though, about like a lot of people, like the technician aspect of it, and, and maybe any field, if we were talking about you know, is somebody who's really astute at like weaving an artist mm-hmm. well i don't know i mean i guess the question is the other people that are are saying that they may not feel that way about themselves necessarily mm. but uh, to be honest with you those are generally the people that i think are maybe more yeah. artistic than anything yeah. because they're like i have to do this and i have to do this way and this is the way that's supposed to go yeah i'm i'm glad that you find it to be art yeah this may just be a process for me that I, it, like, and I think that's a different you know aspect, especially maybe maybe if we i'm I'm talking out of my ass completely, but maybe if we talk about... it's all like, hypothetical, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm still trying yeah. to
0: picture that the young uh, saxophone like self described genius who's not getting the game well, like, why and what are you telling right. them? You but know, like, right,
1: but that's <laughs> but that's also what partially that's in that sort of game uh or that mentality too is that they're set up in this notion of being artists but there is a there's also a work practicality and a, and a faith based aspect of like just doing the practice mm-hmm. that it's like you know will anybody else get to this well you know maybe not yeah but that doesn't stop us from doing it and needing to do it um so I don't have a really good the, the best answer for it. but I I would say that maybe like the the art the creative thing of it it's partially like in just the deep desire to that part of who you are needs to be expressed mm-hmm. no matter what and then yeah I mean I guess this other space of it getting to someone whether that's just like yeah I made that thing for you here it yeah. is guy's the best belt maker ever he's an artist yeah. it's like I guess if you think that way, yeah. Fantastic. Or it's like I yeah, it's wow, people really love this and that's great and makes me feel good. And that, you know, but I think that like it starts from that internal engine of doing it and you would do it any anyway. Right. Uh, and so so I don't know if I would say that those people aren't artistic like the the guitar players that can play all the notes the, mm-hmm. maybe they are, and in certain contexts, they're just completely um you know their utility mm-hmm. and in certain contexts, it's like, wow, that was like yeah, so I, I'm not I'm, I, I' I can't necessarily find that, but I would say that the best thing that sets it forward is their desire to just do it no matter what. And then the rest of it yeah. will be thought of that way, you know. This yeah. is—I was in this dumb fucking this is a dumb <laughs> thing. I'm gonna tell you a dumb, there's yeah. a dumb story for today. Good. <laughs> you know. Um, this is from today. This from okay. today. I get All an email. Breaking news. I get an email about that. You know, for the Pitchfork Festival, somebody's pitching that we offer some type of NFT mm. thing. I'm like. And, it, and the idea, of like I was like, this is the dumbest thing, and mm-hmm. it's and it's awful. And I mean, in the whole notion of NFTs, to me, mm-hmm. if we really look at what it's useful for, I think is quite smart mm-hmm. and possible. Meaning, in our digital age, you know, if there is the Mona Lisa, yeah, it's like, well, that's the original. That's a copy. How do you do that with digital? properties yeah. digital assets so yeah to be able to say it's like no no no, this is the this is the original actual thing right sure i think that that's a yeah but you're doing essentially the same mechanism that's why that one's valued really high because it is actually that right well the so so i find that to be an interesting but it's like people like have used that idea mm-hmm. the thing that's like i created an MC. it's like yeah but people still have to value it yeah you know it's like it doesn't
0: say like, so what it's the same with the mona lisa you know the mona lisa that the thing of it being like the greatest painting or whatever, that came like late, hundreds of years later, like it was forgotten, but somebody years later decided and judged it to be this and that and ha- hashed all these theories about who that was, what it means, and over time it developed into this thing that, you know, the, the be- best known right. piece of art there is. but. Yeah, it's, a, it's an agreement between people. We, but the, it, the price of art is always right between worthless and priceless.
1: <laughs> right. It always is. Yeah, no, It's so, whatever but you this, can get but for it, is, it. But it's yeah. an agreement between people. Yeah. Yeah. But also that it's not just that you, you know, to that end, you would say, it's like, well, I made a painting. It's like, yeah, who the fuck cares? Yeah. It's like, I made an NFT. It's like, like, who the fuck gives a shit? And, and my problem with it, it, like, even further, it's like, as, as a, you know, a deep capitalist as I am, it's like, this is the worst idea of You're trying to essentially make people speculate yeah. on something that really has not derived worth in any, in any way yet. But you're describing
0: the art market to oh, no. that is what the art market com- is. Com- com- completely. Yeah. Completely. It's, um, it's com- completely, uh, thumb, like not just a thumb on the scale, but like both ass cheeks on the scale of a couple of people deciding that this thing is worth this and this thing is worth that. Why is it? They just... They said it is. And there's then the consensus develops. And now it is. But is it?
1: Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, but to, to that end, you know, I mean, sure, can I Can I? think, you know, the talk around it? Now, I'm sure there's a lot of people that will talk up something and it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Right? I think Great. most
0: of it, most of them are failures, I'm yeah.
1: sure. Well, this is not unlike the music industry. Yeah. <laughs> right? right. Uh, so... So then for there to be just another version of this and people are just hyped up because it happens to be there's a new technological aspect to it, but it's like you're just doing the same thing. And in the meantime, you're just revving up people's engines for something that's essentially bullshit. I mean, it makes a lot of sense for,
0: especially for musicians, to get into NFTs because increasingly there's no way for, for their products to make any money so if if you if a musician can sell this completely yep. like a thing you can't even touch for X amount of money that they can't can no longer get off their records you know
1: why not well, well potentially yeah it, but it would be like what is that thing and who are you yeah and so yeah okay if somebody went to me it's like hey uh, this is the, actually the actual original uh, Design artwork for the first festival, in 20, 2006. Mm-hmm. somebody might find that valuable. Okay, yeah. fine, fair enough. Yeah. Got you. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. You know, somebody might find that valuable. Want to buy it and hold on to it and right. Whatever. But just making it for the sake of making, it's like you know. So yeah, you're Joey Rock band out there. It's like, well, we have done it. It's like, who the fuck gives a shit? At this point. Is our first, this is our first demo tape. Yeah, put, it's like, put it into like, a
0: crystal ball or something. Yeah, I mean, well, right. <laughs>
1: like, well, but right. then it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, you've always had it. It's yeah. sitting there, and until somebody finds that that's a thing, then nobody's gonna give a shit about it. So, right. but people are like, would like to do it with anything, and it just makes no sense. And it's a kind of just, you know, it, it, it's a it's a weird.
0: We're uh, yeah, we're in this weird transition point with how you know currency is. Like, because all this crypto stuff, like once upon a time, paper money was just as, as, people didn't believe in paper money either because what's paper money connected to is just, it's literally a piece of paper that says it's worth this because a bank promise, it. It, yeah. it's a promissory note. Yeah. And that's what crypto is, but you have to have enough people buy in for it to become that, you know, and it hasn't gotten there yet, but it will. It's gonna replace everything at some point, you know, except for like weird shadow, you know, black market shadow economies, you know? Well,
1: I think, I don't know, that I don't know. I expect. The, the technology is interesting. Yeah. And I don't think that, I think the technology will, will probably be important. Yeah. No. But not as it stands in this no, time period. So what it's going to do is the same thing that has always done and probably should because in this time period, people are unprotected. People are losing a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, we saw this last year. People yeah. are just getting reamed by this, and there's no oversight, and you know, yeah. it's it's ridiculous. And you have like, you know, young have these aunt. fucking
0: children that don't comb their hair or put on a suit. Yeah, like well, ha- both have a, a trading company and run the run the exchange.
1: Yeah. And the well, like, yeah, all, I mean, you know, it's like so, totally gaming. I would I would also. <laughs> strangely just say that <laughs> it's a weird place when you see strange bedfellows come together meaning like very sort of lefty people that want to break down capitalist systems mm-hmm. and then crypto bros that like yeah want, like oh this is not good that you guys have now yeah, joined yeah. in some place of fantasy and unreliability and stability and, and people just get taken advantage of yeah because it's kind of built on that in a certain way it's like these people want to take advantage of other people. These people want to take down the system, but the system needs to kind of be there as fucked up as it is so that mm-hmm. people can't get taken advantage of. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, you're in a weird quandary here. For sure. And, and, and so as that technology <laughs> will become more and more um, part of what we do, it also then, unfortunately, needs to bring <laughs> what is kind of just... The, so it's like, oh yeah, we're just kind of doing the same thing, just with a different... <laughs> the technology version of it, yeah, you know, I mean it's strange, like obviously it's like you can't you know this is a thing like uh, talking about like like uh, getting into having worked on festivals for a number of years now, mm-hmm. and I always get these people different executives saying to me, talking about like let's put on. I want to use wristbands, and people can put money on the wristbands, or have it attached, and they could pay that way. And we would look into it, and you know, there was just always something in my brain's like, dude, this is a sideways move. I know that there's people in the live music industry that are Mm. doing this. It can happen. Everybody that I talk to from an event production standpoint say it's a massive pain in the ass, and blah blah blah. But it's like yeah. it's like the amusement park that uses the tokens or oh, like their yeah. own cash kind of thing but the, but the thing is like you know just looking at it it's like you know you're not gonna beat the banks you're not gonna beat uh visa you're not gonna beat fucking google and apple mm. it's like this is a sideways movement and if we're gonna do it it's we're gonna change a lot of logistics and have a lot of problems yeah. and in the meantime and what is it it's like yeah you just walk up there and you with your phone, with your watch, obviously you just tap your card. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck would I need this fucking wristband for? Yeah. Everybody's cashless payment. They already have it all the time. And then you got
0: to employ a whole like tech department yeah. or whoever to make sure it doesn't fall down. Which it, it yeah, and will. refunds and all, all this like, other stupid like this shit.
1: shit. And so and you know and so I feel vindicated yeah. in, in like in years of, of yeah. battling yeah. these people and thinking that why am I being so obstinate? Why am I? Fi-? like because. You, it, it, it doesn't make functional sense. It will correct itself. If this is an actual thing, it will happen wherever. And it, ha- and it does, you know? So how, like how, how far back
0: were you like organizing or running things, aside from playing? You have the music thing, and then you have, you have these two things, kind of, that I know of, yeah. For, yeah. which is like running festivals, running a club, two clubs. But also, I assume, I, my guess would have been that you've started with the music but
1: yeah I know I mean the other stuff is this is what happened you know um no I mean the thing is like I was doing you know playing uh, and then just having to set up my own gigs and that's kind of where like I just kind of I kind of realized earlier that I was better at doing that than other people were mm. other people that I played with yeah and had um, how young were you when you realized you know, this well not that i mean like 19 okay. 18 19 years old yeah um so and then, you know i was i was in like in Dayton Ohio going to college there and it's like i could i could get gigs <laughs> i could get gigs at the, at the different clubs and and so um, that was like when I first kind of realized that but I also was just also interested in doing my own music instead of getting like trying to impress people and being good enough to get hired on the whatever jobbing band or like yeah. you know. Okay, so well I, I might as well just get my own gigs and set up mm-hmm. my own groups and, and do that. So that was a big thing early when i moved back to chicago there was part of that and then also just getting um, you yeah. know picking up gigs getting sub calls when did you calls. move back here i right at uh, it was like the summer of like may of 96 mm. and um, and so i was uh yeah just you know getting sub calls meeting people and but that whole thing about, like, yeah, the, the setting up the shows, and I was always still doing that, and so I would then enlist other bands to be on the bills with us, and, you know, I mean, that so that was a, a, a thing. Um, I had gotten a job, was maybe a few years, two years later, two or three years later, got a job working for this marketing company, and they would do this field marketing stuff, and... Uh, they would sponsor street festivals, mm-hmm. and I ran this part of it. Where we, this is the time period where we had, all the cigarette companies had their different bars. So there was a Camel bar. Oh a yeah, those bar. Camel. Pe- I yeah. remember those. Camel. And we had this, this account with Lucky those Strike. Like,
0: com- camel, those girls would come in. Oh yeah, the yeah. Pub, no, yeah. No, you no. Know, so this was the thing. Yeah.
1: I was I was working on a Lucky Strike account, mm-hmm. and they were going, you know there's mm-hmm. also a time period like with the whole. Uh, there's a whole retro thing, whether it was like the sort of swing music thing, or just you know, yeah. like that type of thing was going on. So Lucky Strike kind of really readopted this sort of, sort of '50s vibe. So I'd go out and like I take these like these mo- like these models would come in, they'd put them in these cigarette girl outfits, and we'd go yeah. in the bars and give yeah. people cigarettes. And then they'd also sponsor events at the bars, mm. and you know they would have like pint glasses and coasters, and and like so There the week I'd be going to these bars and give them their Lucky Strike pint yeah. glasses and they sure, yeah. try a route and a car and then and then in the summertime we would be sponsoring these street festivals and you know we so much of like what I do now with like like let's say with Pitchfork friends yeah I'm loading in like a sponsor mm-hmm. I set up my tent I got my people that yeah. are working and you know um, and so I kind of saw the the behind the scenes of that sort of thing, and you know, it was interesting. And I thought that you know it's like these. I mean, I had this in my brains like I mean, some of these people that ran was like, man, if this idiot can do this, it's like Jesus Christ, this is like. So that was
0: about what like about a ten year gap span or something until. This would have been Pitchfork
1: like this would have been like ninety seven ninety eight, and then and Pitchfork started uh theoretically it started in in oh five okay so um so yeah there was there was some time in between that i did that for maybe about a year and a half mm-hmm. and uh but the thing that was great in, in between that is that my music stuff started to get better mm-hmm. meaning like I was playing with more people that I was interested in playing with yeah and then i you know started doing these bartending gigs i was bartending at charleston which was kind of became my home base, and, yeah. um, and then, before yeah. the
0: makeover of the Charleston, or like, yeah, yeah, this day. was old school old, Charleston, old school Charleston. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yep, 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 uh, old, old school Bucktown, yeah. yeah, um, and, uh, and I met lots of people there, a mm-hmm. lot, you know, um, and, and more music, uh, industry people, musicians, and whatnot, um, so, but yeah, for, part of the also dynamic was that for us playing creative music, jazz, free jazz, and all that yeah. type of stuff, some of us who were on the younger set, it was harder for us to get into at that time, let's say, the Empty Bottle. Yeah. It's like maybe, you know, you could play, you know, I would play at the Velvet Lounge, but usually yeah. as a sideman. Yeah. And not as much, you know, every now and you know, it started to increase as I got older yeah. to play there as a leader and so you know it was kind of like yeah it'd be great if there was a place where we could kind of just work on our thing yeah and so i remember being at the charleston talking with a few guys one of those people was josh berman who was complete uh like that well <laughs> you Yeah. naysayer but one of the guys, this bass player joel root had mentioned this place the hungry brain he had mm-hmm. been there for his cd release show yeah and i then took it upon myself and walked so, you know over there like a week or so later and I was like this place is great hmm and you know I uh, <laughs> talked to the one of the owners really quickly yeah. and left my numbers like you know about maybe doing a series here so this is like 2000 yeah right and uh, a couple months later I get a call from the other owner mm-hmm. saying hey you know our Sunday improv comedy series is ending Mm-hmm. So if you want to try it out, we'll, we'll, we'll be willing to try it so out on So that's one of the Sunday Jazz. And so that was the first right. week of January 2001. Mm-hmm. And at that time period, I'd been working at the, the, the Charleston and at that time, I was, it's been a really good bunny. Like, yeah. And so um, just bartending there, I'd also you know, sweep and clean the floors yeah. and stock and all that yeah. shit. It was great. I lived upstairs. Mm. There was like sometimes 72 hours where I wouldn't leave the building. I'd just be up. Right. <laughs> I'd open <laughs> yeah. the place. Yeah. I'd you know, uh, hang out after my shift. I'd go to bed. I'd open the place. I'd work. Yeah. The, you know. um, <laughs> and so well, when we started doing stuff at the Hungry Brain, it's like, part of it's like, well, we need to make. I, I asked Josh, I was like, come on, you need to do this with me. You, you have some sway and influence with certain folks and uh-huh. you know different people than I know uh-huh. if we do this together and he would reluctantly said yeah but uh, and so we would just call all any all of our friends for like mm-hmm. for the first four months like you have to come you have to come yeah and they did and then you know it's like at the at the beginning of the hungry, like they would offer us like nothing they would also not let us take a cover they're like no you can't take a cover you can ask people for donations mm. So we'd you know, walk around with a basket and ask people for donations. So it was like and, the Skylark. <laughs> yeah, like the old yeah. Skylark, yeah. back when that series was there. Yeah. And then I would, uh, I would also sort of pad the bar. I'd give the, the bartender, I was like, here's you know, 80 bucks so that yeah. people could drink for free, so that the band could feel it's like, oh, this is great, we get free yeah. drinks, too. right. Well, after like, about four months of that, like, the, the audiences were like then really, and we, had, we didn't have to ask our friends to yeah. come anymore. And and then the bar is like, you guys did pretty good. We'll, we'll we'll you know give a tab for the for the artist. So, you know, my investment was now paying off. Yeah. And yeah, and that year it's like it was great. We then pulled off this festival, and it was I remember it's like it was like the week after, and you know, if anybody's listening, they won't be able to see this, but that this yes. poster right there, it's like the week after like uh, 9/11. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and we do this first thing, which we call the Phrenology Fest because it's the hunger brain right and it was jammed, and the excitement was really great and 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 so that was like the really the beginning of me really being not just I book gigs for myself and maybe my yeah. friends on the bill, but no, we're going to start booking this every week, and that's what it, and we've still been doing it and uh And then, you know, that opened different things, because I was was interested in a lot of different music and lots of different, you know, friend groups. Yeah. uh, Going to lounge acts, going to the bottle, going to, you know, see a lot of Shubas shows and different. So the the taste aspect was really eclectic, I suppose. Yeah. (laughs) Or just, I just listened to a lot of music. Right. And so that meant that I was exposed to a lot more people. And so some years later, that, you know i 'll try and t- tell this in this chapter the, the summary of it, but some <laughs> a few years later, so here's comes two thousand and four mm-hmm. and i had uh, really wanted to get involved with um, doing some you know this is the the second george Bush you know and mm-hmm. and I wanted to do something i wanted to, and, I, and I was like, what do I do? you know a musician yeah. and a bartender yeah. you know and uh I had talked to a a newer friend, Mm -hmm. and he was a uh, a music journalist. But he also, you know, so I talked like, you know, because he was also involved with some politics, and his Mm. wife worked for a public advocacy group. And I was like, hey, you know, I want to do something, maybe like organizing some events, and I just wanted Mm -hmm. to maybe chat with you about it. You know, he was just a newer friend. Yeah. He's like, that's funny, because actually, we've been trying to think about doing something too. So we met, like make some kind of
0: a, a statement. Through, yeah, through it's art like,
1: about that like, you're not happy with. The, well, the way we settled, shit's going. <laughs> so so yeah. So the idea that we came up with was like, well, what if we use all of our resources and all of our connections, and start uh, the my friends Andrews Lindahl and his wife Julie Samson. Mm-hmm. Julie works for this uh, organization called Citizen Action's Public Advocacy. Group. Mm-hmm. And one of their big things, they're part of a big coalition of people that involve you know, different unions mm-hmm. and different, and especially they really uh, register uh, voters, especially in communities, uh, you know, underserved communities, mm-hmm. and they fundraise for that. And they're like, what if we did some events, raise money for them to do that, They'll even go, obviously, into other states, Wisconsin, Indiana, yeah. and do things like that, right? So I'm like, okay, because I needed something to channel it to. I, don't, yeah. I didn't know. And so we then came up with like this week of events, and it was mostly like this club festival. So it was Shubos, The Bottle, Metro, Hainau, I think uh, who else was involved? Um, and every night we would be moving to each one of these. What and was we, it called? It was called Interchange. Interchange. Yeah, and so we raised a bunch of money for that. And of course we called in, you know, uh favors, you know, so yeah. it was Andrew Bird or it was a Tortoise or yeah. Ken Vandermark and you know, um to play some of these things. Yeah. The one thing that was really interesting about it though too was that we were um citizen action is part of a, a like a, a national network mm-hmm. and they strangely were having like this sort of national network um, let's call it a, a convention in chicago mm-hmm. so there's then this flash it's like hey what if we could get events happening in these different locations and these local citizen actions could go there mm. and register so yeah. that put me in touch with different agencies cuz i was like hey you have artists playing in this place, and we yeah. have this organization that there. Could we do something together? And so that maybe in other cities, in other cities. Yeah. So you know, I think we ended up having like thirty other cities wow. that had stuff going on as well, uh, and that might just be one club. Yeah, you know, in one. Uh, so uh, it went so amazingly. You know, of course we. Bush still won that election. But yeah, I you know, I was looking at it and I was like, you know, we had a really great organization of people around it. There's a lot of people that lend their help, like Jay Ryan, the poster artist, who mm-hmm. he can't you know lent his services and just it, it just showed like all this sort of community uh, involvement. hmm And so I was looking at that and I was thinking a couple of things. I was like, Look, you know, uh my music's going really well. It's just getting better and better. I'm getting to play with people that are fantastic, and that's great. We're going to Charleston, okay? And I was like, mm, 30, mm-hmm. thing. And I was like, I don't know if I want to be a 50-year-old bartender. Mm. <laughs> you know? Okay. Well, maybe you should give this a shot, and we could like maybe put. What if we put on, you know, a really cool street festival? Because at the time, it's like you'd have these street festivals that were like. You know, Dave Matthews Band, cover yeah, Ribfest, so yeah, yeah, so stuff I mean, like basic, that. And I, I like, always hey. call it Ribfest, yeah.
0: but it's you know what I'm talking. Yeah, about.
1: and yeah. so I was like, well, yeah. and I and I and then I was like, <laughs> and here came that marketing job, and I've worked these events. Mm-hmm. I kind of know some things yeah. about them. Yeah. Like, what if we had one that was really cool, and then I could maybe have like this summer job. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is what I'm thinking, right? So that was the idea. Like then of,
0: of pitchfork which or? would
1: well the next version of it was then called intonation
0: intonate i was just remembering that it so was that called was, intonation first right
1: yeah and you can see obviously the, the slim similarities of name and yeah. yeah anyway um but many of the people that were behind the scenes of it yeah. were the same the yeah. difference is that at the time i was looking at, and i was like okay what year was the first int- 05. intonation, 05? So 04 was when we did interchange, 05 yeah. was when we did intonation. intonation yeah. And so the whole premise around it was kind of built from a bunch of um, events that had been going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't know if you remember that zine, Arthur? That, yeah, yeah. They, they had like a little sort of festival. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to it, but I just read about it. But
0: Arthur, what, was it based here?
1: No, 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 it was in out in yet. the Bay Area, I think. Yeah, I think it's a West Coast thing, yeah. yeah. So there was that, but I had heard of that the yeah. event. There was uh, Village Voice at Sirens Fest at Coney Island. Mm. That was a one-day event.
0: Yeah.
1: All Tomorrow's Parties, Yeah. the idea of like, hey, we bring somebody in to curate a weekend of right. shows, you know. So uh, it's like, okay, you have a publication, right? Yeah. Oh, wait, you have a curator. So I was like, well, what if I was able to get like some entity, because remember now, yeah. The print medium was still actually a thing then. Yeah. And, and or, like, just the, yeah. a media sort of source. Yeah. And so I, was, I thought about it and I was like, you know, I didn't want to ask the reader because I needed the reader to cover it because the reader was still powerful at that time. Right. Uh, I thought about asking the. It does still exist, but it, I don't know that you'd well, say it's powerful. Well, you know, but I mean, yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. Like, was like, this is like still in the kind of heyday. This was before yeah. Time Out came in. You know, five, yeah. 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 So. Um, then I also thought about, like, well, what about, like, you know, Sound Opinions was just a local show. Then I was like, what if I asked them? Yeah. I was like, yeah, but those guys both write for the Tribune and Sun-Times, yeah. and I would need them to cover it. And then I was like, oh, doesn't that, that Web magazine pitch for it. Aren't they yeah, based yeah. here? <laughs> and that's where that... So they weren't really on your radar as... No, an, as I mean, a... I, didn't, I didn't religiously look at yeah. that by any stretch. I, I knew about it. But I mean, I the wasn't... kind of
0: music you play isn't really their... I mean, for the most part, it wasn't...
1: Like their thing, was it? Well, if you go back and their thing, I mean, they covered a lot of stuff. But I mean, I, think, I know they, they cover a lot of stuff. No, but I mean, yeah. at that time, yeah. like, they I didn't covered, read it at
0: all at that point. So yeah, you know, they covered
1: a lot of indie yeah. music, but yeah. that also meant that you know, yeah, they would you know, so, yeah, so the, the Isotope Records or, you know, even mm-hmm. you know, so Fred Anderson Records on Thrill Jockey and yeah. stuff like So, right. anything essentially, they were covering stuff that, that people would send to them. Yeah. You know, yeah. they were not big enough. To yeah. be, like, pushing down the doors of, like, major right. records. Yeah. Like, so, if it was coming through, they would they would give it a shot. So, their thing, essentially, was a little bit more collected in that time period. Meaning, like, indie rock and then weird shit. Yeah, <laughs> Quote right. Quote, unquote, weird shit, right? Um, so, but, yeah, but from my standpoint, though, yeah, but, like, you know, I was uh, a lot of Things that I was involved with and people that I was involved around—it's like you know, whether it was the truck stop scene, uh, you know, that's where I f- first met like Glen Cochi, mm. uh, or you know, um, obviously you know all the, the, the Tortoise people. Yeah, it's like I already knew those folks, or yeah. you know, I mean, an, an old friend of mine in which I I remember being um, at a bar with him and he's like leaving to go and join some rock band. I'm like, why are you doing that? And then, you know, seven months later, it's like, I, I'm like, wow, this is Jeremy's new band, which is Neuchimuk Hotel. So oh, these, it's just, you yeah. know, the world was not like, it was a lot more overlapping and there was a lot of yeah. things going on. So to think that what I'm doing musically yeah. is, doesn't mean that I'm not cooperating with people that are, you know, and I mean, let's remember that like you know, between your lounge access is your empty bottle, like the music scene was very in Chicago at that time period, it was very diverse, yeah, you well, know, sure, yeah, and so that's where I'm coming out of that from mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, look Vandermark used a whole quarter of the empty bottle of the place to be packed on a Tuesday night you know I was or, there all the time i yeah. I have a bunch of paintings from that yeah. and I have a that's so where I met so, Jeb Bishop. Like, yeah, I used yeah. to go there. So, so this is the, the world time, that you know? I'm yeah. existing in. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. this, it makes complete sense, right? Yeah. Maybe not like the. People. I was just a pitchfork,
0: just wasn't on my radar. Yeah, so, place. so, yeah.
1: so that was, you know, um, and I was like, oh, well, let's contact these people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we did. At the time, I had, well, so we did. And they responded. At the time, it was like, Three guys in the basement, right. and they had uh, some writers around, uh, contributors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the thing is that they found out, as we did at the same time, just how blazingly popular they had become. Yeah. And you know what we thought was going to be a street festival was like whoa. Mm. And the strange thing is that when we announced it, then right then thereafter. They announced that Lollapalooza was coming back to Chicago in Grand Park. Right, right. And they rent, were going to be the weekend right after us. Mm. So, one of the things that also kind of helped us in a certain way was that, you know, uh, this sort of David versus Goliath sort of story. Sure. Yeah. Them being produced by this company from Texas, us mm-hmm. being some homegrown yeah. indie, you know, thing. And, um, and that helped us a lot for those first years. Mm-hmm. Even though I talked to those guys all the time, they were quite yeah. nice and, you know... Uh, the Laogalusa people? Yeah, yeah, like? yeah. No, I mean, but but it, it definitely helped us uh, being... And, and it was true on a certain level. I mean, like, it was homespun. but mm-hmm. it was really... Um, yeah, just something that came together from the local scene of connections. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I really didn't have... Money at all. I was yeah. like I said, I was a bartender play played yeah. chess. But what I had was a lot of social connections and social yeah. cachet, and and I wouldn't say cachet. I would say social earnings. Now mm-hmm. I'd already by that time done enough, and that my my word was worth mm-hmm. worth something, right? And people respected that. And so when I asked, it's not that I asked for favors. Yeah, I asked, and they were like, "I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a shot," and and they did, and and, and it worked. So that's where that that all kind of started, and um, and it kind of and it continues, you know, um, over the years, the hungry brain thing still, you know, when the it still goes on, and when the original owners wanted to pack it up, they were like, well. We're going to just let it go unless you want to buy it. I'm like, yeah. well, <laughs> no, I don't want to buy it. Uh, but we, we it, I, they, you know, I got talked Yeah, Yet into here we it. are. Yeah. <laughs> um, Constellation was a weird thing that just sort of happened that was not. What something...
0: year did Constellation start? I mean, I remember it as the viaduct.
1: Yeah. That place,
0: the, the space you're in. Is, so, the yeah. viaduct. Right. No.
1: So, we opened in 2013.
0: 2013? Okay.
1: Yeah. So in April, it'll be our 10th year. Mm. Um, So, yeah, one of my meetings today was planning for our anniversary party. Mm. Um, Yeah, and that's a a strange, you know, a strange sling of coincidences. By the time that uh, Constellation, or by that time, it's like we were talking like the end of 2011, beginning of 2012. I uh I realized that this business that was producing the festival and now by that time we had a few other small little events that we mm. work on um, it's like it wasn't going anywhere uh, where it's going to continue to happen yeah and so I was uh, I not
0: had, going anywhere in a good way <laughs> like, yeah
1: it, like it wasn't going to disappear yeah, or it's like okay so of. at that time I had like a shared sort of office space mm-hmm. with some other folks and those guys actually also Worked on the vent, They had their own shingles. One guy was an IT person, one person was uh-huh. a couple of graphic designers. Yeah. And they also all worked on the event, but they decided that they're going to move out. And mm-hmm. so I was like, well, this is way too much space and it's the rent. And, the, yeah. and so I started thinking about it. And I was talking to a friend of mine, Howard Krennels, who's manager, manages like Iron and Wine, Spell oh. Season. Great guy. And he had also uh, worked on the festival and, and you know he I met him when he was still working at Thrill Jockey mm. and his business had also developed quite a bit and one day I was talking with him and he's like yeah you know I think we're going to buy a building and we'll rent out uh, one of the units or maybe two of the units We'll find the right building and we'll put our I'll put my offices there mm. and he's like you should think about that I was like oh I'm like yeah okay okay so anyway um I thought about that. I find a building, mm-hmm. and we move out of the places where we have we have multiple storage units. We have a one office building where we have a bunch of junk, too. Yeah. But here comes Switch and we, we essentially move all of our stuff to the site. Mm-hmm. And the closing for the place is on a Monday. Yeah. So we're all at the festival site, and it's kind of perfect because like all of our shit's here, we've, yeah. our lease is over. We're just going to move right into the new place. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was there, it was like a 30 hour like day mm-hmm. from Sunday into Monday and overnight. And I didn't go to the closing, but my real estate person went to do it for me. Mm-hmm. And so she calls me and she's like, where are you at? I'm like, oh, I'm at lunch right now at Smoke Daddy. And she comes mm-hmm. to find me, so that gives me the keys. She's like, so we kind of closed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what does that mean? It's like, well, <laughs> the, the, the seller said that the, you know, there was three residential units and a commercial unit where my office would be. And they're like, yeah, you know, the, when they pulled up the zoning, it kind of came back the opposite, that there's one residential and three commercial, and she's going to have to turn in that paperwork so that it all can go through. But right now everybody can move. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, okay, interesting. So I move in there. Yeah. A week goes by, two weeks goes by, three weeks. and it turns out that she lied she never actually had that rezoned mm. and so the bank said well look the mortgage that we're agreeing to was for this mm. zoning not for that so everything just went and essentially the, you know you i was out? i was then and now was just their tenant oh jeez. and we and i was like i don't have a place to move out to mm. so i was like okay uh and the other thing we started working on a new event we were working on this sort of Rock and roll circus event called Brilliant Corners, and which was happening in September of what was that? It must have been September 2011. yeah, I mean, yeah. Where yeah, was was that in like Park? It was in Eckhart Park. I, I vaguely remember that. That was a really fun event that didn't really catch on. Um, yeah. You know. Somebody. But I it was that. it yeah, was I it was that. literally circus and music. So we had yeah. two tents, one with that had like circus. Mm-hmm. Family circus during the day, adult circus at night, we had another tent that was bands like Shellac was in there, Cave, City Touré, Charles Bradley, um, yeah, Hawk and a Hacksaw, like yeah, it was, it was pretty cool, I I, I knew somebody that was either playing or some working there there was like a Midway, so that's like there was games and rides, and so you only, you could go to that for free, but if you wanted to go and see Mm. the big attractions in in the tent, you had to pay for that. Anyway, so we're working on that event and that's its own story, which is, yeah. you know, but so I was like, I can't move. And so anyway, we what get, year are we have to? This is 2011. So 2011 we, we, we do right, that, right, we do yeah. that event and here came the winter and now we're these people's tenants and yeah, you know, I'm thinking about this, we're turning into like now into 2012 and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to buy this place as the zoning as it is. Mm-hmm. And I'll just reapply for it. So I contact the owners and I'm like, look, let's just start again. Yeah. You know, buying real estate, it takes a while. The lawyers and the yeah. blah, 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 the surveying. So it could take a couple months. And so this is like the end of February. Well, here comes like the end of March. Mm-hmm. And I'm going on this like 10-day tour uh, in Europe. Mm. And like I'm literally getting on the plane and the owners are like calling me and calling me and I'm like, I don't want to talk to them. They're just call- blowing up my yeah. phone. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Seven and a half hours later, I land and there's this message, message, message. And then finally the last message is like, look, we've been trying to get a hold of you, but here's the thing. Um, we're selling it next week to somebody in cash, so you need to move out as soon as possible. I'm like, wait, oh. what the fuck? You motherfuckers fucked me twice now. Oh, wow. Right? So... Here's the first day of this tour, and I'm like trying to get on like Craigslist at, yeah. you know, at the time, trying to set up showings for <laughs> when I get back so I can yeah. find a new place. Well, that evening I get an email from Dan, the bartender at Hungry Brain, mm-hmm. and he says, Hey, guy from Viaduct Theaters was in here, he's like saying that they're probably gonna have to sell the place because they're, they're splitting up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, What do I do with the Viaduct Theater? I don't, I'm looking for an office. Yeah. You know, I need a place to store <laughs> And then I, it, in my brain, it just really flashed really quick. It's like, well, you know, I just made friends with this woman, Roelle Smith, who's the executive director for Lynx Hall. And mm. Lynx Hall has been over in Wrigleyville forever. And I know Michael Zerang was also telling me that that they are trying, been trying to move and they've been trying to like uh, raise all, they've raised all this money to move and they've been trying to buy a place. And I was like, maybe there's some for them. So I, I passed her the information and, and you know, I get back. My situation was not as dire as I needed to get out next week. Mm-hmm. I finally talked to the new buyer, mm-hmm. and he's like, "It's cool, you can stay for a while." Yeah, I'm like, "Okay." But you know, my friend Ruel, was well like, "Hey, so you should check out this building. If you guys yeah. are really going to move," he's like, "No, you know, um, our board decided that we don't want to move. We have a lot of, you know, we so say, you know, raised like a couple hundred thousand dollars."
0: They were on Newport. Or, or is it Newport, like off
2: Clark? Yeah, like I think it's like they were on the it, side. It's
1: like Sheffield, Clark, and Newport, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that place. Yeah. And so uh, I was like, okay, well that's interesting. You, so yeah, we're just gonna, we just want to find a place to lease for like fifteen or twenty years. And I was like, well, I'm like, wait a minute. You guys do? I've been to Links a few times, and I see what you guys do over there. i was like, well. If I'm cool where I'm at right now, it's like, maybe I should buy this building and then rent it to you. Hmm. And it has a liquor license, so then it's like, I could sell stuff to your... Yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute, so if I'm going to do that, maybe I should just then also put on shows there.
2: Because <laughs> yeah. then I could, yeah.
1: you know... And so we then met for like months, for like six months or so, kind of putting up this together, this idea. So then I realized, it's like, wait, they're actually going to tear down that big bridge that was... Outside of the viaduct, I saw mm-hmm. the plans for that. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing is that the building, the owners at the time had this spiff grant for to impro- building improvements for hundred thousand dollars. So I'm like, wait a minute. So I buy this place, I get a, a, a tenant that pays the mortgage. I can sell stuff to them because I can get the liquor license mm. and essentially it comes with a $300,000 dowry I'm like yeah I think this is a good idea mm. so it's like the thing is like I wasn't trying to open some club it's like yeah. no it's like it, it, was had just, it was just happened it just happened Yeah, and you know and it was a, kind of a, essentially meant to be you know I mean it couldn't just have fallen together that quickly it's like yeah. you know because um, if, if the deal would have gone through with this, with this actual building Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's no consolation and I wouldn't have cared because it's like it wasn't my desire to open the place (laughs) you know it's (laughs) like no I don't want to open a place that's the dumbest idea you could ever do Mm -hmm. it's like oh let's open a you know creative music venue it's like what but then when we started thinking about it and Roelda and I would get together and like the things that they had going on there it's like you know a lot of you know sort of modern dance and performance art that they do and dovetailing really well with a lot of progressive performance that we do, I was like, wow, what if we had all of these sort of, let's say, fringe performance arts yeah. people in one, under one roof? Yeah. Then we actually have a full plate. Instead of a little yeah. bits there, a little bits there, and your thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. And what if they actually then start to intermingle with each other and like feed off of each other? And right. it's proved to be very much what happened. Yeah. Um, and so... I it I would you know if I'm going to believe in fate I would say that that's kind of you know the series of events and what uh, surrounds it at the very least are almost as as good as it, as it gets sometimes you know So when you were a kid growing up was
0: this anything like what you pictured like if you, did you have like a pine, like a dream well like what you were going to be when you grew up kind of thing? well <laughs> No. No. Like fireman? Really? <laughs> astronaut? No, I
1: didn't. I didn't really think about what I was going to be when I was going to grow up. I don't know. Um, that's where I, you know, for music stuff, that's kind of really weird. I don't know if anybody really knows that. I mean, people say shit like that, but most people don't, you know? That's why (laughs) they end up being fucking, you know, a marketing officer. It's like, who the fuck dreams of that, you know? Or fucking (laughs) stock, who the fuck dreams of that shit? Nobody. And so, but where the music thing really affected me, it always did, Mm -hmm. but I didn't think about it as like what I was gonna do. Um, But then, by the time I was nineteen, I was like, I would really like it to be what I do. Yeah. Um so no, I mean, but I there's no way that I would I could have thought that this is what I was be, would be doing. Um at best I thought that I'd like here's what I thought at best, right? Mm-hmm. That I could go to some town and play for like eighty people that I don't know. Mm-hmm that's what i that that was like the, that, that was as far that as, was as, that as was as you know maybe yeah. i could hear uh my record on the radio mm-hmm. you know yeah and so i mean i've been doing that for a long time now and that feels great i mean that's yes. still you know sometimes I, yeah okay played in front of eight thousand people mm-hmm. okay uh and still there's some nights where it's like hmm, there's Twenty people here, right? Okay, but um, what I kind of thought I was going to do was set out to. I've been doing that for a long time, and I feel very happy about
0: that. I mean, it's a real interesting combination—the music and then this whole business organizing thing. It's not—it's not what I don't—I don't know a lot of people that have quite that combination, like the things that you do. Well, you know. No, just I, it's interesting to think about whatever when you're starting out with a thing like what you imagine it could be and then what it ends up being. It's almost never what you imagined, you know. I don't know what I ima- imagined either, but it, it probably wasn't whatever the, the fuck it is I do now, but
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, I I would think that if it I would be probably disappointed if <laughs> it would probably never live up to my imagination. Um, mm. So that's maybe good, to, you know, I'm not really, I don't really think about, uh, I don't really have conceptions about something that, like what it's gonna be. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, mostly like in life. Yeah. I mean, of course, a project or an yeah. adventure, yeah. that I, that, yes, but, you know. But I don't know. I mean, part of my thing is just kind of. <laughs> some people want a piece of the pie, but I want the recipe. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, right. that, and I don't want people to be in control of what I can and can't do. Yeah. Like, or tell me it's like, well, this is how this goes. It's like, oh, really? Okay, well. So yeah, you want you want to run shit. <laughs> or I also to want I also and, like, well. Yeah have a say in yeah i want to have a say in my 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 destiny of what happened you know right and so to that i think we were talking about earlier it's like i'll just i'll dig Mm -hmm. really deep into an idea Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) and sometimes waste a lot of time with it there's an expression i say to people it's like you know you, you're you're moving forward, especially if it's a project. And it's like we're moving forward and when we get into the festival season. It's like it's all a move forward to yeah know, going up that hill. Um, but sometimes you got to walk sideways to see what's over there. Mm. You know. Yeah. And so, I do a lot of going sideways to look at a bit of information or idea, so that I can know that like this is not what this is. Or, you know. I would also then, you know, there's the, the at least the, the comic improv thing, they say, uh, was it and and yes or something like, my thing's like no.
0: Yes and. Yes, yes and. and. Yeah. Yeah. It's the improv thing. Yeah. They're supposed to, yeah.
1: And I'm more of like, well, no, but <laughs> <Nope>. this, <laughs> you know, so, and there's like some really good people that I've always been around, mm-hmm. uh, collaborators where we, you know, it's, it might be more of like a writer's room like on a comedy mm-hmm. show where it's like you're throwing things out like no no yeah. no oh wait a minute hmm, okay and you dig a little deeper it's like no okay and then you just keep on going like no okay then and, yeah. and you come up with your version of a night of, of a way to get through something so that's how I think about doing anything because I'm I don't learn very well um, somebody could Tell me that like this is how you do this thing and it's like I have to figure out how to do it myself I'm a bad learner. I was not good in school. Yeah in that way So I have to find methods to learn the learn the thing and also to learn it's like That you're wrong it can be done Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah So along the way I guess you just sort of also get your brain wrapped into yeah, figuring out things for yourself. And that that's empowering, you know? For sure. Um, and I, I would also say this that you know, running things, it's like, no, it's like, I'm actually, I don't, it's not that I'm interested in running things by any stretch. I'm kind of, <laughs> but I routinely see things that are run really badly. Mm. You know, so I don't, I have no desire to make, I, I really, I, I don't want to make more stuff. Yeah. You know, like, like, like I it, it, it's almost. You I, mean like open five more clubs oh, or Jesus something Christ. like. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know where like something like Finkelman because it's like, really, you need to make another place? You need mm. to, like, when does it get to be enough? Like, that's, I, I don't, I don't get that. You know, I, I don't. You really know, don't, you know, Jake Austin, you know, he runs. Promontory, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so I did one of these with him. <laughs> he was, like, apparently, that's the one place that Finkelman doesn't make it down to. You know, he goes to all his places every oh, day. Yeah. He's got that routine. He goes from one place to every every night. He, does, yeah. he, has, he doesn't make it down to Promontory, mm-hmm. so those guys get to like have a little bit of breathing, like <laughs> you know, like <laughs> do their thing. <laughs> But you know, I mean, once or, the restaurant went out of business. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there, there is. I like to make, make things. Mm-hmm. Like I like making them. Yeah. But I'm. It, it's not to the to the idea of. M- m- being in charge of more shit. It's like mm-hmm. actually that's a drag, man. Yeah. It's a super drag. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, even the hungry brain. It's like, yeah, okay, I took over the hungry brain, but then I, I remember. <laughs> It's like Jesus. I made like you know I used, this was my one of my spots. Yeah. And it's like fuck. I made my living room now my fucking problem. Yeah. you,
0: know? <laughs> like, you can't just hang out here. You're,
1: well, I like, I can. I've learned yeah. I've learned yeah. how to do it, but it's it, it's not not um. I mean, could you like what we
0: started off on about like who you could have just a casual conversation at a bar with? Could you? Does that ever happen here to you? Can you have a conversation in I, here?
1: Yeah. With, well, with the, my my cure my cures to it. Uh-huh. One, especially with Love your Brain and with Constellation, is that for the most part, I try to surround myself with people that are also on their various paths to do whatever they're going to do. This is one of the great things when I worked at the Charleston, Wendy Pick, who was the owner there, uh-huh. she was like, Look, this is the job you do on your way to doing something else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so uh, I will say, at this time period, I have some really great. People. I mean, I definitely have great people. As always, worked in both places Mm -hmm. and on the. I mean, I'm blessed. Yeah. With. With great folks, I will pat myself slightly on the back, meaning that I feel I'm very good about choosing those people. Yeah. And that they build their own universes based on that, and and, Mm. you know, Jesus Christ, it's insane. Um, So I'm very blessed and to have be surrounded. By fantastic people but part of it is that you know I am interested in that they're gonna go and do other things and mm. then you know places like this uh, the Charleston was this way mm. another place I like going to a lot is the Old Town Hill House mm. but you know it's like these are also meeting places for people and them to go out and, and tell us about what's going on in the world you know Mm. And this can be a place where, friends, especially with musicians, especially like the jazz and free jazz crew and improvised people. I mean, this is a—it's recognized globally, both yeah. places, right? And so, I'll see somebody in, you know, Paris one week, and I'll see them back here two weeks later, or mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and there's people that have come through here; some amazing musicians who used to be based here, and now they've gone away, moved, whatever. But they can always come back here and sort of like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. and bond with hopefully some old folks, mm-hmm. but then also new people that it's like you're kind of just exactly that spirit people that build yeah. these type of rooms and, and enjoy that uh, way of moving through the world. So I like that these are uh, spaces... That people come and exchange mm. the information. One as a performance, two as how they're living and trying to get through what they're trying to do with, as human beings. Yeah, especially creative human beings. Uh, so that's definitely reflected in how the staff works. I mean, one of the things that I really try to do is like I, was, I always ask this of of staff people of when they're coming on, and like you know, I want to know three films, three books, mm. you know, three records you're listening to lately. Yeah, It's like, I'm gonna have to sit here and talk to you. It's like, I don't want to talk to somebody <laughs> that I fucking can't hang out with. It would suck. It's like, you know, and I don't even have to think that I like those, yeah, but yeah. I have to be able to debate them with you and talk about mm. it. And so, yes, I can have that conversation. I think that I generally have a lot of good conversations with the staff people here because mm. they're the bedrock of it. They're also yeah. uh, on a certain uh, level I'm not going to, I'll say this loosely, but represent not only me, but other people sure. L- yeah. l- like me and, and, and other people that have made this home base. So mm-hmm. that's really important. So yes, I definitely can have good conversations here. Sometimes if you catch me, you know, if you're here past like you know, 10.30 or something like that, I'll get into some weird shit that I'll say. Yeah. Because uh, I feel <laughs> that I can. But, but I'm, I try to make sure that the people that are here... Uh-huh are able to absorb that and also give me shit back. Yeah. With their ideas and with, and this is is an important thing about like having places where you can have robust conversations, some that are tricky, some that are, you know, Mm. and of course, you know, wanting to talk about like that, Abbey Road is really the best Beatles record. It's like, yeah, this is an important conversation to have at one (laughs) a.m. You know, this is, or that you can actually solve, you know, the Israeli-Palestinian crisis. It's like, yeah, it's like I know we did it last night. I forgot it this morning, but we we did that. (laughs) You know, so this is, you know, this is a thing that. I used to do, you know, the Charleston and I, that's where I learned some of those things. And so I, I like having, that. so I definitely can have a good conversation here. It, the, the, the difference is that um, I also, you know, you can be a, t- a target for like, I love it. Sometimes I'll be in here mm-hmm. and someone will go to the bartender mm-hmm. and say, it's like, so how do I, uh, how do I book my dad here? Uh-huh. and I can see just out of the corner of their eye they kind of like look at me it's like you should go to the website and you know it's like they, they luckily will like yeah, shield yeah, me they, from like right, getting you know. of course you know some people figure it out and they just beeline and, and I used to do that stuff too I, I don't fault people for, for doing that but I would say the best way to sort of ever be uh, be it's like you want to get here it's like then you should be here yeah then you should be part of the fabric of what happens here. And um, I, we get a lot of emails from people. I, we try to be kind about it. Mm-hmm. I want to play here. I really want to play here. Yeah. Okay, we, we're talking about advice to musicians. This, right, is a, yeah. this is a very common piece of advice I try and tell people. Sometimes I try and tell, of course, to people that I know, ten, like sort of. But I will also try and offer it to people that I don't know at all. If, it's like, I really need to play at Constellation. I have to play there, this is, you know. And then I'll listen to their stuff. It's like, do you understand what we do here? Mm. Why do you think that, you know, your pop band would work here? Hmm. Uh. And so, okay, I can, we can write them back. It's like, uh, well, we're not sure if there's a really good fit. Yeah. You should try these places. Yeah. Another one would be, um, this person's a really great musician, we really like them, but this project they're (laughs) pitching to us is like, what? And it's like, hey, thanks, Uh, what about another one of your groups? We're not sure if this Mm. one's the right one. But kind of baked into that, it's like, well, what do you, when you say you need to play here, what does that really mean? It's like, what you want is like, do you want to play in a place that's where the production value is high? Yeah. Where, you know, they really put a uh, value on uh, listening and... Well, if those are the answers, think about what... If the, 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 uh, that equals constellation only, that's bad. It's like it should equal more. And if it can equal more, then you have more return possibilities for a yes.
2: Mm.
1: You know, if, if you want to dance with that girl, and that's the only girl... It's like, well, but if you just want to dance... Then you can ask a bunch, of, you know, yeah. You and, and then you, you, the thing that you really want mm-hmm. is then can be more uh, possible mm. instead of just thinking that it's just this path. Um, so y- y- you need to go back and examine what is the nature of your question. Mm. And if it only equals this, then you're going to have a very bad uh, you have more bad possibilities than, than good ones. <laughs> well, because there yeah. just aren't. Th- this is the thing. If, if I said that I want to play at the uh, North Sea Jazz Festival, well, guess what? There's only so many slots there, and there will be a bunch of people that are disappointed because they can't get and play there. Yeah. So, but if you're like, I would love to play and bring my band to a a festival, mm. especially at the level that I might be able to get into it. Like, well, then you've you've changed. The question, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, so I I think this is an important thing. What is the real nature of what your question is and what you want or Mm. need out of that? Uh, And it may not be there, you know, Uh, there's places that's like, I love that place. I shouldn't be playing there, Mm. you know. Yeah. Um, Or even it's like, I shouldn't be bringing that band there. It doesn't really work right. You know that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate it, and it also doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't maybe possibilities from where I can do it, even if I have to create it myself. Yeah. How many
0: how many bands would you say do you you have going currently, or how many projects are like a going concern? I don't know how to even quantify that, or how do you ca- how do you
1: count it? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's yeah it's it's strangely it's actually. Come back again. There's these a lot of COVID being whatever it is, but even before that, there was it kind of slimmed down quite a bit. Oh, um, and part of that was because I think a lot of it had to do with just the aging of my me and my peer group. Mm. That there was a lot of running around that we did in our 30s. Here came the 40s, okay, and then kids uh, not not for I don't have any kids, but like my friends and their families. Just also just kind of getting tired. It's like, you know what? I don't think I want to go to Europe for like two weeks. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, how about we just go and do those three shows and just go home? Mm-hmm. And so that's a different mechanism that changed things. Now it's kind of starting to swing back up again. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, quickly... You know, artifacts trio with Nicole Mitchell and Tamik Reid.
0: That's great. I, I have that record. That's really good. I like that one. Yeah, that, that that's really that, interesting combination of instruments.
1: Yeah, we're about to go and do uh, a, a Europe run a couple mm-hmm. weeks there. Um, a, a group that was was operating a lot and now is starting to dip its toes back in, but chasing out of Chevets's Sunrooms. That's starting to happen, like we have, we have some, some dates coming up in the spring, and he's gotten excited again about uh, playing in general, but then also that group, so that's, that's great. Um, there's a group with a new band that I've been working on, with, uh, which is Ben Lamar Gay and Marvin Tate and mm. the and Baja's crew. We made a record last year, which will finally come out this year. Oh, cool! And was so, that the
0: thing that, that played for New Year's? We did that. We yeah. did it on
1: New Year's. Yeah. I'm, you know, the, the name at right, this point was the Separatist Party. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> the, the Bitch and Bajos, They're like a you know like a power struggle trio, and then uh, and then me and Marvin and Dan we all we all I think all of us share this sort of as, you know that sort of thing on. Groucho of Mark sort of like I we don't want to be members of a club <laughs> Don't have us as some a member. member. Yeah, yeah. We kind of all have that sort of vibe in a certain Never way. Never
0: join a club that would have me as a member. Yeah. I think that's how it goes. <laughs> um,
1: so, you know, so so that's a new you know I've been doing me and Ben also have been doing this group uh with these two French musicians from Normandy hmm. that actually this was last year we did a bunch of dates. We did maybe about thirty dates last year and then we have something coming up in June um so those are you know uh, random things that I'll put together and then there are occasional calls I did a thing with William Parker and back in November and occasional things with you know l- the luminaries like Roscoe or, or and mm. but all of that as a you know as a package and other just random things that kind of come together um it's good and and it's enough, Yeah. you know, I don't uh, I'm out there enough and also doing things here like this. i put together this band. out of COVID, it's like, I, it's like, I really just want to play with my friends and put together this band, this is like Tung called the Big Dig or like, I'm sorry, the Big Gig. The Big Gig. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has a big gig all the time, so I was like, oh. but you know, we, we essentially mostly just play like uh, covers of south african jazz and some mm. other uh that's cool yeah it's a fun party band and we don't give a shit if people talk <laughs> it's like go ahead who plays in that uh in it? that's it's usually uh greg ward on alto keith jackson on mm-hmm. tenor and baritone hundred diamond on tenor mm-hmm. uh usually christian dillingham plays bass uh, a few different keyboard players we've used. Gold DeJano has played piano and organ, and Carl Kenney's also filled that chair. Uh, so, but it's a, it's kind of a, a party band, yeah. Uh, and uh, we just have a good time, and people like it. Sometimes people dance, and that's wow. great, you know. So yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of you know I have some. Releases that uh, will come out this year that have been sort of backlogged—a uh, thing with Fred Anderson, myself, and Josh Abrams. Oh, cool! That was—I think that's from 2008. Oh, wow! Uh, that we've been talking about putting out, and I think we'll fi- that'll finally come out this year. And yeah, so yeah, that that space of stuff is is good, and and, and it's enough. Yeah, it's not crazy, and luckily, you know, I don't have to ask it for everything. The strange thing is that music is the music world is predominantly everything I do, but not just me making it. Yeah, and that feels good. I, you know, I mean, I have a relationship with music. Man, if I asked any other relationship to give me everything, yeah, it'd be kind of fucked up. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so it's like, well, yeah. Why should I ask music, essentially my making, of it, like to give, like, feed me, mm. you know, make me feel good and whole, yeah. make me feel creative, and like, you know, it's like that's a lot, like, because it, it this is going to be days like it's going to fail, and it's going to lead you to, I think, a lot of just disappointing things in you know, a moment yeah it's nice to have something to pivot to <laughs> yeah and i'm trying to also get my brain around like literally things that are have nothing to do with music mm-hmm. where i can be especially useful yeah so people um that has nothing to do with, with yeah. music and i can little be a little bit more of a um or like a service kind
0: of thing, or like a, Def-
1: definitely definitely like service. I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do anything, no. uh, you know, I really would like to turn my head to being somebody that's whatever. If it's even if it's just like moving boxes, to be honest yeah. with you, it, my skills. is maybe you know, small business owner. So all right, sure, I could do that yeah. um, too. But um, but just yeah, just really be outside of m- music because it's it's just nice. Just like yeah. I, that's. It's its own thing, and it can be claustrophobic and uh, and too much of it it's like you need to get away mm-hmm. and also realize how kind of crazy some of it is. <laughs> I mean, like literally insane. I mean, uh, whatever. It's like I don't care. People here, here, this. And if they think about it, they <laughs> it, how would you not know this? But you know, yeah. it's like we have shows here. Like when we do Pitchfork. We still have a show here on Sunday nights. The Sunday, mm-hmm. the su- Sundays that we started, improvised music night that really kind of got my promoter world rolling. Yeah. It's in 2001. We still do it yeah. on that Sunday, and, and most likely somebody's walking out of here getting handed 150, 200 dollars, uh-huh. and you know, about five miles away, it's like somebody's getting like something with a lot more zeros. Yeah, you know, yeah. We're talking like, yeah, yeah hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? So and it, know, that feels it. bizarre to me. Yeah. That both of the, if anything, this world is more important to me yeah. as, as a creator and, and, and a community person but, yeah. at a certain level. Yeah. That is a function of industry and business. That's not not bullshit. You know? no. It also has its own community thing that's, that's yeah. real. But the disparaging aspect of it is so insane. It's just insane to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's not much I can do about it, except kind of uh, use, (laughs) spread it around by the fact that I'm immersed in both of those things. Yeah, Most of my time is, is interested in the creative world of it. Most of my business yeah. is interested in the indus- er, is invested in the industry aspect of it, and I try to spread it around because uh I have to it's like then you know i mean these dreams that people share in these the, these walls is like to me they're important they're important uh, if not they're me mm-hmm. they're literally me yeah uh, so right
0: um yeah that's no, it's pretty great that you've gotten to a point where you can you can give back, you know? <laughs> a lot of
1: people well, can't. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't know that I actually... I think that there's a lot more for me to do there. Mm. But I don't think that's more of a, the giving back. It's more that, um... I'm also quite... This might sound strange to some people. I'm kind of anti-institutionalism. Like, I don't want things to get too big. Mm-hmm. that uh, they don't understand why they exist
2: mm-hmm.
1: like I don't know that constellations should exist past past me I don't want people one day saying like Mike Reed would never want to it. like how would you fucking know yeah. it's like you know what you should start they're just walls Yeah. the spirit you of them is with the, the people thing, yeah. yeah. with the people that occupy them uh, you can harness it that's Before, a
0: thing I've never understood with like, where, I mean, it's more often in business, like restaurants or whatever, where it's only success judged successful if it keeps growing. Like, why isn't it su- su- successful if it gets to a point where it's self sustaining and keeps evolving creatively or whatever, but it stays at the same level? That's judged a failure. You know? Like, so you, if it doesn't franchise, if it doesn't turn into fucking Krispy Kreme, then it's not.
1: When it's a failure
0: you know no, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't get that
1: <laughs> I think that, that I, I also don't I don't connect with that but what because every time
0: you scale up the quality suffers, like in every case if not know? only
1: not only does that suffer I mean but you also you may start making decisions for reasons that were not part of the original yeah. idea and um, and I think part of part of that maybe is the fact that I do like I said at a certain point I would like everybody to go out in the world and do whatever they're going to do yeah so I'm not holding on to them I don't want to churn every bit of things out of them Uh, and you know honestly it's like I would too I think that there's something else for me to do
0: oh Uh, like you think you can envision a certain point just walking away and doing something else
1: I hope so yeah at a certain level I hope so yeah why not Some, sometimes I mean, why not? sometimes I feel like I'm the dean at a high school. Then it's mm. like the classes change every like Right, but and you, the, here, you stay the same and age. I'm like, Fuck, the man. seats are still small, like Yeah, it? and it's like <laughs> it's like don't know I get to go and do <laughs> other things. And But it,
0: it's sort of it's cool, it's kind of like well, you have that big portrait of Fred Anderson at Constellation and I think of that, you know, him running that bar, you know, in the club, it's like in some sort
1: of there's a continuum, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I uh, so but so I think that about mm-hmm. like going on. But then I also then I think about like yeah, like fred or like you no, know, maybe maybe this is kind of or ver- you know I could internally graduate but not necessarily graduate. What, you know, it's like, no, I still have the places. I just don't necessarily deal with them the same way. Yeah. You know, you don't find me there as much as you used to and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And, you know, maybe I'll start painting, you know, <laughs> like doing other, you know, hey, or making know. movies or something. Who knows, you know?
0: Yeah, your friend Roscoe Mitchell. He's about to have this big right. art show. Right. It's starting in a, a week, I think.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, so there's different ways, I suppose, of looking at, like, moving on to something else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like you bring up Fred, it's like, we had, he, you know, I played with him some. Mm-hmm. I was definitely influenced by him. I'd s- s- let him hold court at the end, we'd play at the Velvet Lounge. I'd play at the Velvet Lounge, and he'd hold court at the end of the night, and we'd listen mm-hmm. to Charlie Parker records and blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, but he was really interested in my business shit. Yeah. yeah. We would talk about business stuff, like mm. you know, off hours. Yeah. I'd go over there and help him out sometimes, and he'd and then other people would tell me about that too. That's like, man, he's he's really proud of your business shit, mm. and I'm like, wow, okay, um, and yeah, that 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 struck me. I remember getting, he called me, you'd call me a few times, mm-hmm. uh, but just. You know, you call me sometimes on a gig, like whether it's like, hey, do you want to do this? Your band want to play at the Velvet, I have this date on. Or it's like, hey, can you do this gig with me? It's like, yeah, okay, great. But then sometimes he'd just call me and he would do this thing and I didn't understand it at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He'd call me, like, hey, man, I just got back, you know, me, how me did this thing in Switzerland, but I'm back now, you know, like, okay. And I'm waiting for him to, like, at, like after yeah. like, oh, <laughs> why is he calling me? And he's like, yeah, how's Josh doing? I'm like, oh, he's fine. Yeah, I, he saw him last night he's like mm-hmm. okay yeah but you know I'm back now I'm like alright and I was like what the fuck? and it it wasn't until he passed away that I understood an aspect of what he was doing the same way that some of my friends like might check in with me it's like yeah I'm back in town yeah what's going on mm-hmm. and I'm like oh shit it's like I realized after he passed away it's like Oh, I'm part of the, the team now I'm like part yeah. of the, his yeah. social network of he's people he's just calling you he's as just a calling friend. Him, he's yeah. like yeah but, yeah, what's up okay I'm back you know i this it's is, not for any
0: specific no. re- or like a business reason or anything mm-hmm. or, or for a gig, it's just just to say hello
1: now, you know, uh, these days and um, I have some of these people like Fred so Kid Jordan Alvin Fielder Roscoe I keep all of their voicemails <laughs> I keep all of their voicemails Yeah, like, I, I oh, their voicemails, cool. yeah. you know any any time they I have voicemail. You know, going back to twenty fourteen, Kid Jordan's like, and it's like, yeah, it's like, no, I, I want it. It's Like, yeah, <laughs> this is fucking. That's cool. Um, so, but yeah, I mean that 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 bit like he was interested in that. That kind of came back to me in twenty. What was it twenty fourteen? Summer 2014, it was in August. I was talking with Roscoe, and, and um, I was like, "Hey, do you want to come like do a solo set at Constellation? I was trying trying to fill some dates." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll come down." Yeah. He was in Madison for the summer, and then he calls me back like an hour later. He's like, "Hey, you know, I just talked with Muhal He'd love to play yeah. there too." And I was like, "Really?" Mm. And I was like, "Okay," and. Um, so fast forward a few months the here comes the date and I had sent a car for, for the two of them mm-hmm. and they pull up and uh, we're talking some shit blah blah we go in the club and you know and he's like oh this is Muhal's first time the day. no it was the second time he had been there because he had been there to rehearse once with a band with Jack mm. Um but you know he turns to me he's like you know this is what we always dreamed of like, places like this, you know. And essentially, he's yeah. saying, like, they seem like, this is what we thought about, like, having this a place that where we were in charge of yeah the thing. And that just, like, it made, it, like, oh, man. It like it, <laughs> made it all me. worth it. Huh? Oh, man, it was, like, <laughs> it was insane. I was like... That's great. So, um, to that end, it's like, I suppose it's like, you know, yeah, m- maybe I will be there until the end then, but I don't necessarily know that I want it to go on, Mm. I want other people to do their versions of it, you know, Um, for sure, and I also want to, you know, people not holding on to a ghost of some sort, and it it not in, they will be free to to operate it as they, if it's influenced by it, that's fantastic, Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's how I got it, not only from right. the velvet, but what Vaughn is doing at the apartment lounge, mm-hmm. what, you know, uh, Ken and John were doing with the series at the bottle, what we yeah. were doing with the Umbrella series and yeah. you know, the, all those type of things. Those are all part of it. And, you know, as I always like to say, it's like they're just walls, it's about the people that occupy the space. And how you harness that. So yeah. I I'd like it to have other there's other iterations that are seen by other people. Um yeah.
0: That seems like a good place mm-hmm. to cut it off.. <laughs> the, well, it's sure. Thanks, Mike.